First from Luke 8, the verses 40 to 56. And then we'll read from Leviticus 15, the verses 25 to 31. Luke 8, beginning at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, Arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. For some background on the woman with the discharge of blood, I'd like to read from Leviticus 15, the verses 25 to 31. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, All the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. And everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean 
and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. And on the eighth day she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and bring them to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall use one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for her unclean discharge. Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. Thus far our reading from God's holy word. The text for this morning's sermon is Luke 8, verse 42b to 48. And Jesus went, the people, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at times we experience brokenness in life. Life has not turned out how we expected it would. Things have happened that cause sorrow and pain. These things have an impact on us. Our soul is not at rest. We do not experience the peace of God. It's difficult to live in the joy of faith. Our life circumstances are such that we're floundering. We exist, but don't truly live. We make it through the day, but... Our life is certainly not what we would like it to be. The brokenness of life can at times overwhelm us. Are you facing illness in your life? An inability to do the things you used to take for granted? Do you regularly experience pain with all its debilitating effects? Are you struggling with your mental well-being? Are there times when you're overcome by anxiety or when you experience panic attacks? Does it sometimes feel like you have a dark cloud of depression settling down on you? Are there times when it seems like you cannot think clearly anymore? 
Are you facing relationship difficulties? Do you struggle to respect your dad or mom because of negative experiences in your life? Are you at your wit's end knowing how to deal with one of your children? Are you facing struggles in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, with your partner in life? Has your marriage ended in separation or divorce? Does that make you feel like a failure? Do your relationship difficulties continue to cause you anger or grief? We live in a broken world. It's a world that's under God's curse because of our sin. The brokenness of life shows itself in so many different ways. There's times when we're unhappy in our work. It's little more than frustrating toil. We can face financial pressures, struggling to make ends meet. And ultimately, we're confronted with the final consequence of man's sin against God, with death. Loved ones are taken out of this life. and We're left with an empty place in our homes and in our hearts. When the Lord Jesus ministered on earth, he was often confronted with the brokenness of life. We see that in our reading from Luke this morning. Jairus comes to Jesus, pleading with him to come to his house, for his only daughter was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was interrupted by a woman who was faced with an incurable illness. These were real people with real problems. People confronted with the brokenness of life after the fall. People who needed help. We see that the Lord Jesus tended to their needs. Jesus did so because he was the true shepherd of Israel. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Yet in ministering to his people, Jesus had a greater purpose. He wanted to show himself for who he really was. As the Redeemer of Israel. As the one who not only dealt with the consequences of sin, but who would also deal with their source. As one who came with real answers to the struggles and the brokenness that we face in this life. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. In the healing of the woman with the discharge of blood, Jesus shows himself to be the restorer of life. We'll consider the brokenness of life, the healing Jesus provides, and the peace that faith brings. Our text begins by speaking about a woman who was ill. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years. The cause of her ailment is not known to us. All we know is that she sustained menstrual bleeding day after day for 12 long years. This woman had suffered much. It's likely she experienced cramping. To continuously continuously lose blood would have had other effects on her physical well-being. She probably experienced weakness, a loss of energy, Perhaps dizziness at times. 
In her suffering, she had tried to get help from doctors. You can imagine what that was like. Every time again, going to a new doctor with high hopes she would be cured. And then the crash back to reality. Despite all the potions she swallowed, the treatments she endured, also this doctor was unable to help her. Our text summarizes her situation. She had spent all she had on doctors, but she could not be healed by anyone. This woman underwent suffering that only those who suffer from chronic disease can truly identify with. Now, beloved, this woman's physical suffering was not the worst thing. We read together part of Leviticus 15. There we learned that a woman with a discharge of blood was unclean. Being unclean does not mean that a person is dirty. Being unclean indicates a state in which a person is in relation to the Lord. Someone who is unclean may not come before the Lord. Leviticus 15 verse 31 makes it clear that an unclean person was not allowed to enter the place where God dwelt. For otherwise, they would defile it. There's a reason why the Lord instituted various laws about uncleanness in Israel. The Lord our God is a holy God. An unclean person may not enter into the tabernacle or the temple where God lived. First, they had to be made clean. The Lord required a separation between unholy people and himself as our holy God. This is made explicit in the first verses of Numbers 5. The Lord said, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. Israel had to learn. They needed to be holy in order to approach the Lord. We need to understand, beloved, that in Israel, everyone at times became unclean. Men became unclean every time they had a seminal emission. Women became unclean every time they had their period. Childbirth made you unclean. So did coming into contact with an unclean animal or disposing of a dead animal. When someone in your family died and you prepared the body for burial, you became unclean. So God's people regularly faced situations where they were ceremonially unclean. The Lord gave different laws about offering sacrifices and washing through water through which a person could be made clean again. Thus, most people had times when they were not allowed to worship God in the temple. But usually their uncleanness could be overcome overnight, or in a week or two, or perhaps a month or two. This was different for the woman in our text. She had a continual flow of blood. She was in a perpetual state of uncleanness. This had devastating consequences for her life. It meant that, effectively speaking, this woman was cut off from God. She was not allowed to enter the temple courts. She could not join the throngs in worship from Sabbath to Sabbath. 
She could not sing songs of praise to God with the crowds that assembled on the special feast days. She did not hear the reading of God's word or the teaching of the rabbis. She could not participate in offering sacrifices or praying with the people as the priest offered up the incense offerings. She no longer heard God's words of peace and blessing spoken by the priest at the end of each worship service. This woman was cut off from communion with God. Her uncleanness threatened her relationship with the Lord because it kept her separate from his presence in the temple. As terrible as that was, her isolation extended even further than this. Leviticus 15 makes it clear that everything that this woman touched also became unclean. The bed on which she lay, the chair on which she sat were unclean. Leviticus 15 verse 27 says, And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until evening. Haggai 2 verses 11 to 13 tells us some more about this situation. There the priests were asked to make a decision about whether uncleanness is transferable. They taught that if an unclean person touched any kind of food or drink, even it became unclean. So we see that whatever or whoever this woman touched became unclean. Even if they touched something she had contact with, they were rendered unclean. The result was that people tended to shy away from someone who was unclean. If you had contact with such a person, you were made unclean. You had to undergo the whole ritual of washing your clothes and bathing in water before you were made clean again. The result is that this woman would have been isolated. To visit her meant you would be made unclean. She would have been starved of human contact. Anyone giving her a hug, touching her in any way, would have made him or herself unclean. This woman was an outcast. She would have been despised and rejected by many. What a lonely, what an isolated existence she must have led. This woman's suffering is not unique. We too can face situations where the brokenness of life causes us to be alienated from God or from the communion of saints. We have members who at times are restricted from worship because of illnesses. In our churches, there are senior members who cannot attend church anymore because of the deterioration of their body or mind. In such circumstances, we can so easily feel as if we're not part of the body of Christ. We can feel alienated, cut off, even abandoned. You don't need to be sick to suffer the brokenness of life. At times our greatest struggles come from feelings of inadequacy inside. Is there anything in your life that you feel you need to hide from others? Something about you that you really don't want others to know about? 
You ever say to yourself, I suck? Or do you consider yourself a loser? Do you ever feel like you don't belong? That you're worthless? That you're unclean? We no longer have to deal with ceremonial uncleanness as God's people did in the Old Covenant. Yet feelings of uncleanness can arise in each of our hearts at different times. Most often they're rooted in shame. We're ashamed of something we've done or something that's been done to us. We feel that if others knew about the real me, they would reject me. The result is we often suffer in silence while continuing to feel a failure. People suffer shame and disgrace for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because of things we've done. Because we've committed sins that burden us. We've stolen something. Or cheated. Or taken advantage of someone sexually. We have a gambling addiction. We're enslaved to pornography. Or we regularly drink too much. We want to do better. We always seem to fall back into the same trap. Makes us feel so small, so worthless, so unclean. At times we feel shame and disgrace because of things that were done to us. Perhaps one of our parents constantly belittled us as we were growing up, telling us we were no good, will never amount to anything in life. Perhaps we were beaten as a child. Or suffered domestic violence as a spouse. Or were sexually assaulted or abused. These things happen every day in our society. Unfortunately, at times, they also happen in Christ's church. Beloved, such things not only cause immense suffering. They often result in a deep-seated shame. Somehow, even if it's other people who did bad things to us, we still feel some responsibility for it. We don't want anyone else to know. We think that if others knew what was really going on in my life, they would despise me. They would reject me. We struggle with the idea. God could ever love a wretch like me. Because we feel worthless inside. Results are devastating. We get cut off from living communion with God. From meaningful relationships with other people. We're filled with fears and anxieties. We're faced with depression and mental health struggles. Life can become a real burden. And we feel like we're facing it all alone. Such is the brokenness we can and often do experience in our lives. It brings us to our second point, and we'll consider the healing Jesus provides. The woman in our text had heard reports about Jesus. She would have heard that Jesus went throughout the land casting out demons and healing the sick. In Luke 6, verse 19, we're told, And all the crowd sought to touch him, 
For power came out from him and healed them all. Therefore the woman with the discharge of blood came up behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his garment. She sought Jesus' healing power for she desperately wanted to be cured of her illness. Her faith was vindicated. Our text says that when she touched the fringe of his garment, immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She was saved by the mighty power of Christ. Just by touching Jesus' robe, she was healed of her affliction. Her illness was miraculously cured. At this point, there was only one thing that this woman wanted. She wanted to disappear in the crowd. But Jesus does not allow that to happen. Just as a woman felt within her that she was healed by Christ's power, so the Lord Jesus also felt that power had gone out from him. Jesus asked, Who was it that touched me? Our text notes that all denied it. No one was willing to own up to touching Jesus. Least of all, the woman who had been healed. That should not be hard for us to understand. This woman was ceremonially unclean. Yet she had pressed through thick crowds to get to Jesus. Everyone she touched along the way had been made unclean by her actions. The people around her would not be happy about that. But more importantly, she was worried about what Jesus' response might be. Would he be angry? She had tried to take his power from him without asking. Would he be upset that she had made him unclean? In our text, we see Peter responding to Jesus' statement that someone had touched him. Peter thought this was a ridiculous statement. He said, Master, the crowds surround you. They're pressing in on you. Jesus made it clear that he was not talking about the jostling of the crowds around him. He could tell that healing power had been released into someone's life. Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive power has gone out from me. Mark's gospel tells us that he looked around to see who had done it. Literally, the Greek says that Jesus looked to see her who had done it. Jesus knew who it was. And he confronted her. Our text says, When the woman saw she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. Why did Jesus confront this woman? He was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his sick daughter. That was an urgent matter. She was about to die. So why stop and confront this woman? The reason is simple. Jesus called her out to give a public testimony of God's saving power in her life. So we see that this woman testified to all the people who Jesus was. He had healed her from a discharge of blood that had lasted for 12 years. Jesus accomplished something a host of doctors could not do. 
simply by touching the fringe of Jesus' robe. This woman was healed of her illness. By telling her story, this woman made it clear that Jesus was the great physician. One of the reasons why Jesus confronted her was that he wanted to reveal himself to her, to all those around him, as the restorer of life. Please understand, beloved, that Jesus provided this woman with much more than a physical restoration of her health. The deliverance Christ provided went much further than that. For in healing this woman of her discharge of blood, Jesus opened the way for her to take up her place in the covenant community. She would be able to wash herself and be made ceremonially clean. That would have dramatic consequences for her life. This woman would once more have the opportunity to gather with God's people, to worship in the, in the temple. She would be allowed to experience communion with the Lord in his house, to sing and pray in public worship, to hear God's word of blessing spoken to her again. She could participate in Israel's feast days. She could join in the celebrations when people brought their sacrifices and when they enjoyed a fellowship meal together. She could freely associate with others to touch and be touched, to hug and be hugged. Her life of isolation was over. The Lord Jesus brought this woman out from under the dominion of sin and death. He restored her to communion with God. He allowed her to enjoy fellowship with his people once more. Jesus came into this world to offer us this in an even richer and fuller way. He came to provide healing for us in all the brokenness that we face in this life. He came to rescue us from the midst of the shame and disgrace we suffer. Jesus did that by being willing to carry our load, to bear our suffering. Isaiah speaks about that in Isaiah 53. Speaking about the coming Messiah, he said, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Jesus accomplished all this by offering his life as a sacrifice for our sins. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The point, beloved, is that Jesus did not just come to heal people of their illnesses and diseases. He came to deal with the root problem that's caused all the brokenness we experience in our lives. Jesus came to save us from our sins, to free us from the effects of our sins. He came to restore us to righteousness and life so that we can live in close fellowship with God and in wholesome relationships 
together. This brings us to our final point. And it will see the peace that faith brings. At the end of our text, Jesus responds to the woman who has fallen before him, trembling with fear because she was caught taking power from him. We've noted earlier that Jesus confronted her because he wanted her to testify of his healing power so he could be revealed as a restorer of life. Yet that's not the only reason why Jesus called out this woman. Jesus wanted to bring this woman into a personal relationship with him so she could experience his full saving power. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. We need to pay attention to how Jesus addressed this woman. He calls her daughter. It's the first and only time in the Gospels that Jesus speaks to someone in this way. This woman had been alienated from society for 12 long years. There would have been many times during her long suffering when she felt completely rejected. Not just by other people, but even by God. All she wanted was for someone to hold her and take care of her. Now, she's wrapped in the embrace of her Savior. Jesus hadn't called her out to humiliate her. He called her out to save her. And heal her. Part of that healing is that Jesus calls her daughter. That is the language of adoption. Jesus stakes his claim on this woman's life. He is saying, you belong. You belong to me. For so long this woman had not only been unclean but felt unclean. She could not go anywhere or do anything without transferring her uncleanness to others. She would have felt dirty, worthless, rejected. But Jesus came to her with another message. In me, you are clean. God considers you to be his precious child. You belong to me. And by virtue of that, you belong to the family of God. This is the good news of the gospel that also comes to us, beloved. In Christ, God has adopted us as his sons and daughters. We belong to him. We are his beloved people, his precious possession not because of who we are in ourselves, not because of what we have done. In spite of who we are and what we've done, God loves us and has set his claim on us. He sealed and confirmed this to us when we were sprinkled with the water of baptism. We've been washed clean by Christ's blood. We are being renewed By his spirit. Do you believe that beloved? At times we can be filled with shame. 
We may consider ourselves to be a loser. We feel like we don't belong. We feel unclean or worthless. We think that if others truly knew who we were, the kind of sins we've committed, the things that have happened in our lives, they would utterly reject us. It's true. We don't always know how to deal with someone who faces issues in his or her life. But one of the most important things we can do is help them to see they're loved. Not to reject such a person, but to accept him or her. The Christian church needs to be a haven of safety. A place where each one of us can be secure in God's love. A place where we can experience that love from our fellow brothers and sisters. Not because we're worthy of it but because this is what God freely gives us in Jesus Christ. The final words Jesus says to this woman are, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know what peace is? Peace is much more than an absence of warfare or fighting. Peace is, is being restored to wholeness in our relationship with God and in our unity together. Peace means our guilt and shame are removed, that we're received by God as his precious children. Peace means being forgiven, being accepted, being loved by God. Peace also means that we learn to live together in love and unity, even though We may have experienced very different things in our lives. We need to accept one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. As communion of saints, we're called to use our gifts and talents for the benefit of others. Part of that is helping each member of the body to live in good relationships with God and each other. The woman of our text received Christ's peace through faith. She believed Jesus could heal her. Though unclean, she pressed through thick crowds to get to Jesus. She was convinced by Jesus' power she could be saved. Beloved, the same applies to us. We need to believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We need to believe that he came into this world as the restorer of life. We need to seek comfort and help in him alone. To believe that he has the power to save us and to transform our lives. At different times, each of us will experience the brokenness of life. That life has not turned out how we expected it. We're faced with circumstances where we experience sorrow and pain. We suffer disgrace We feel unclean. We view ourselves as unlovable. We're anxious or afraid or perhaps overcome by depression. In such circumstances, we need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to find salvation in his blood, 
to seek the renewing work of His Spirit, that we may learn to see ourselves as His deeply loved sons and daughters, not rejected but accepted, then we too will experience the peace of God. We'll be enabled to live in the joy of faith. Our hearts will be filled with hope, hope for a better future. Jesus came as the restorer of life. He came to give you new life in him. Amen.